The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome to another episode of Your Day in Court. My name is Tug Coward, along with renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan, Ray Judice. Appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate your time. But uh, how can folks get a hold of you in case they need your help? Pretty easy. Ray Judice, G-I-U-D is in David, I-C-E. It means judge in Italian, believe it or not. RayJudiceLaw.com. Been around for a long time, 36 years, practicing here in Metro Atlanta. Bruce Hagan, how do we get a hold of you, sir? Yeah, Hagan, which means I'm going to get you your money uh, in every language. Uh, Hagan-Law.com. It's H-A-G-E-N is the website. At Peeps Lawyer on Twitter. At Peeps Lawyer on Instagram. You can find me everywhere. Just throw up a bat signal and I will respond. There you go. Easy to get a hold of these guys. And if you need their help, if you need their guidance, if you need their assistance, if you need their expertise. So let's start out the show today with Dominique Wilkins, because in Atlanta, Georgia, Dominique Wilkins is a legend. I mean, I guess not just in Atlanta, but specifically in Atlanta. I grew up a huge Dominique Wilkins fan when I played basketball as as a little guy. And in high school, I wanted to wear 21 because Dominique wore 21. And he went to the University of Georgia. I'm a huge Georgia fan, so I have just so many layers of love for Dominique Wilkins. He went to a Shops of Buckhead restaurant, and I'm sure I'm going to get it wrong, but it's La Biblioque. I think that's Close enough. You know what I'm talking about nonetheless. And he was turned away. He feels like it was because of his skin color. The general manager has come out and issued an apology, too, but also said it was more of a dress code issue. Well, I think to put it in proper context, for those who aren't familiar with the restaurant and where it's at, it's in the heart of Buckhead, which is our very affluent residential and shopping center and restaurants. People come from not not only all around the city and the state, but around the world to shop there and go to these fine restaurants that that Bruce and I have been thrown out of on many occasions (laughs) for, for, for good reason. Right. In addition, we're actually having as many American cities are having an unbelievable crime wave. Violent crime is off the charts here and in many cities, but also just sort of crude and uncivil behavior and sort of roving groups of people that are just as happy to cause a disturbance as anything else. So a few weeks ago, this restaurant, a very nice restaurant, I've been there, instituted a formal dress code. Mm -hmm. And in an effort to enforce that, perhaps to keep some folks out, okay, or maybe just up the ante. Maybe we, look, I grew up in New York City area, as Bruce did, in the 60s and 70s. And when I was a kid, my grandparents, who had a little bit of luck sometimes at the racetrack, would take me to Tavern on the Green or the Russian Tea Room. Well, Every man had to wear a blazer. They had a dress code. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have a blazer, no, well, they had a whole bunch they, of them. Oh, they had a whole they had bunch of them. Closet full of sports closet jackets. Closet ties, too. I've never even heard of that. Oh, That's absolutely. Okay. Not, and it was not that big a problem. You just come right with us, and yeah. they fit you. Yeah. Sometimes it fits, sometimes it didn't. But it wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. point was and just... You were not going to eat there, no matter who you were. 
without a blazer on okay. and maybe a tie. Look, this is true at uh, the Cloister in Sea Island, or at least it used to be that, you know, if you're going to dine there in the evening, men wear jackets. And it's, no shorts and yeah, no sandals. And so, so it's okay to have a dress code. The issue here is... And, and let's just say, yeah, because it's a privately owned establishment. Right. The owner says, if you want to eat here, this is the parameters of which you will dress. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, you can, as a private business, create your own conditions for service there, as long long as they're not based on a discriminatory means, right? So you can't say, we're going to do this, but we're not going to serve black people in sweatsuits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's okay for white people to wear tracksuits, yeah, but not course. black people. I, you yeah, you, I mean, you can come out with that. And yeah. so, you know, um, they have a dress code. Tracksuits supposedly would not be in keeping with Doesn't their dress code, according to the restaurant. So Dominique says, that's not why you kept me out. You kept me out because I'm black. There were other people dining there who were in violation of your dress code who were white that you allowed to eat there. And this was racially discriminatory why you mm-hmm. kept me out. Right. You know, if you were going to bring a lawsuit, you might even be able to say that, hey, look, the dress code you've created is discriminatory because you are classifying clothing that's known to be worn by black people. If they mm-hmm. if they did it that way, and you could right. say, you know, there's there is a clothing style that's more readily identifiable with your black uh, population than your white population. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point being, yes, a business can set rules as long as they're done in a non-discriminatory manner, not against a protected class, and applied applied. against evil. And that's really where, if Neek wanted to pursue a case, you know, that's where you have it. And and look, you're you're right about who he is. I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore of Of Atlanta sports, uh, Georgia sports. He's right up there with Henry Aaron and Dale Murphy. Because I brought it up to you guys, and and Ray told me how nice the restaurant is, because I, I was like, you know, with a younger work staff, like uh, a dear friend of mine, her kid is home from Ole Miss. She's working at a yeah, fairly nice restaurant in Alpharetta. If Dominique came in, I don't know that she would know who he is. She doesn't keep up with sports. She doesn't do cheerleading. She doesn't do any of that stuff. She, she might not know, but you're saying that this restaurant is not, this isn't the Cheesecake Factory. People go there to be seen right. and written up in our the equivalent of our page six, which mm-hmm. is who's been seen who, and mm-hmm. there's these glossy magazines that come out and, and show who's eating at what restaurants and at what black tie affairs. Uh-huh. And let me also say, and this is on a personal note, I've had the opportunity to meet Dominique Wilkins on several occasions, social occasions. Sure. And you cannot, there's not a nicer, gracious, more gentlemanly former athlete in Metro Atlanta. Agreed. So I I will stay here and and make an affidavit that I know he didn't come busting into the joint. Sure. You know, dressed just like a, you know, a circus clown raising a ruckus. He is absolutely a first class guy. And I believe the times I've seen him, he dresses first class too because he he can't afford it. And and it shouldn't matter, by the way, if he's the biggest celebrity in town or just no. just anybody else walking into the right. restaurant. Agreed. Uh, if, if you're saying that this is a dress code violation or someone's claiming that it's a skin color violation, um, the, the reason we know about it is because it's Dominique, um, as opposed to if it had just been some some customer who only has 50 followers on Twitter and, and doesn't have the platform to put this message out there like Neek did. So, Bruce, then how would you go about it? If you're Dominique and, and he comes to you and says, you know what, I, I really feel that this is the way I was treated and it was because of my skin color. How do you go about setting up that case? Like, do you 
Do you ask them for footage for film? Because I'm sure if it's that nice a, a restaurant, they have they have cameras running all the time. They probably have you could you could go in and just look and see what people and, are wearing. And I'm sure all over the complex. But but you know, realistically, to answer your question, the first thing that Ray and I would have to do here is assess what are the client's goals. What do you really want to come out of this? Do you want to pursue a case for damages against this? this business mm -hmm. because you've been humiliated and mm -hmm. embarrassed and, sure. and and your rights have been violated. Is that is that what you want? Do you want to raise awareness? Do you, mm -hmm. do you want to try to enact some sort of change? Because depending on really what they want, what the client wants, is would how dictate you how it. you go about it, yeah, right? right. And, and so if the answer is, I've been humiliated in front of my family and, and my reputation is stained and I want money damages, then yeah, we're doing all the things you're describing. We're hitting them with a request to preserve every bit of evidence and we want to see that dress code we wanted all the correspondence that led to the enactment of that dress code what probably. went and yeah. probably what the correspondence since that happened right. the incident right but but even specifically like how did this get started why do you have a mm -hmm. dress code where's the internal correspondence between your owner and manager talking about the type of crowd we're trying to attract and the type of crowd we're trying to keep away and how what words do you use what mm -hmm. language do you what's use what's the training that? program did you just make this up mm -hmm. hey guys this is the deal if they look sloppy or they look hood we're going to get rid of them no matter who they are or you know did you bring in some professionals uh like that's like you know sexual discrimination or or sexual harassment training there are professionals out there that you can bring into your business that will train your staff professionally bartenders are allegedly trained not to overserve so did you bring somebody in or did you, was this just a whim and all of a sudden it became an edict and a policy and now what's the problem that you have you have I'm not going to say young adults, but tend to be younger people who are servers and bartenders. Uh, they're hustling post-pandemic to make a living. Are they maybe, maybe they're on the side of, hey, let's let everybody in, especially a professional athlete who might be a big tipper and uh, treat us nicely. Or have they been trained improperly and they're excluding somebody? Which, you know what? Everybody in that restaurant would have been doing this. Hey, that's Dominique over there. Yeah. He's a great guy. You yeah. know, it, it would have been a good thing to have him in your restaurant. Yeah, no, and I'll sure. bet he's been there before. Right. I, you know, for me, I really want to know what brought it up, what led to all this. You know, was there an incident, right? Mm -hmm. Did you have somebody there who was behaving inappropriately? And so now it's like, hey, we got to figure out a way to prevent this from happening because it's going to keep away customers. How about a dress code? You know, that, that'll do it. And, and again, Ray's talking about, you know, the neighborhood this is in being, you know, the nicest of the nice, but this specific little shopping complex and these restaurants within there really are the nicest, even within the, the nice subset. So if they say, yeah, we don't want tank tops, we don't want flip flops, you know, these, these sort of things make That's sense, reasonable. right? Even in Atlanta where it's hundred degrees in the summer, you're going to be doing brunch. You can have some, we have to have collared shirts, but you're seeing that, you know, dress codes are sliding scale yeah. golf clubs now yeah. what they allow people to wear and play golf and it's not the same tennis whites you don't have to just show I mean, up wearing white clothing on the tennis court there's all kinds of clothes so you know society has changed in our values um but you know this is not so dissimilar to to supreme court case that came up some years ago where you had a baker in kentucky who refused to make a wedding cake for a gay couple because they felt that it was offensive to them as Christians to have to make a, a cake for a gay couple when they felt that gay marriage was an abomination mm -hmm. against their religion. And this case went up to the Supreme Court. Sure you know, and, and the guidance that came, unfortunately, doesn't really clearly uh, dictate how businesses should proceed. But you know, this isn't the first time that you had uh, a clash between 
someone who is, you know, in a category of being a protected class based on, in this case, sexual orientation versus a private business that can set its own rules based on anything, including their religious beliefs. And we can swing this to another topic and just change the facts a little bit. My restaurant now says you can't eat here unless I see your vaccination card. Right. COVID vaccination right. card. Love to have you. Go back and get you two shots and come back and have dinner. I believe that that restaurant can do that. And I don't and I, I don't think there's going to be any problem with yeah. that. See, that's an interesting conversation. So let, let's let's continue this because I, I, I have so many questions about about both of those cases. But we need a retainer. Before yeah, we right. right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I'll get up and go get my checkbook out. And uh, but we also want to talk about the district attorney in Manhattan. He is deciding and is trying to figure out whether he wants to convene a grand jury to indict former President Donald Trump. We'll discuss that and more next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. It is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan, Ray Giudice. My name is Tug Cowart on Extra 106.3. So when we finished up, uh, we had some questions pertaining to the Dominique Wilkins case that kind of spun off different topics that I want to get to. And we'll get to uh, those in just a minute. And coming up, we're going to talk about the Manhattan DA that's convened a grand jury to decide whether to in uh, whether to decide whether to indict former President Donald Trump and some others within his organization. What goes into the grand jury? How do they pick that? How does it work? There's so many layers to this, and we're going to break that down and what they will have to do to make that happen. But first, I want to go back to the the Dominique Wilkins things because because we talked about a couple of things. Uh, Bruce, you brought up the family in Kentucky, the the bakery that didn't want to bake the cake for a gay couple, and then Ray, you brought up uh, some restaurants or businesses requiring you to show that you have been vaccinated to to come in. And with both of those, I see. And please tell me if I'm wrong. I see both of those things as something that a business should be able to do when they when they run this business. And I think the free market should work here because, like, if somebody told me this bakery here has decided they're not going to bake a cake for a gay couple, I don't think I would go there. I think the free market, because so many people are going to be like, "There's no way I'm going there." They should be allowed to. But then the free market, I think, would correct itself and not and people there would be some people that supported it and still went to that bakery. 
But I know, like, for me and others, we wouldn't, and the free market would take care of that situation. How do you see that? Well, I feel like I have a God-given and constitutional right to eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich on Sunday, but apparently mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A doesn't agree with that, That's and they right. decided yeah. we're not going to be open on Sunday. So right. what what standing do I have to complain about that? Their private business can correct can choose the hours that they choose. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's it's really no different if I say, well, I insist that customers wear a mask in my store, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, the governor, uh, I suppose, could issue uh, uh, an edict or an executive order saying that no business may require the use of how masks. How can you do that? And how are you going to – how is that going to hold be up? An, an, There's no improper way. taking under the taking clause of the Constitution, which means I'm taking away your liberty to run your business. Right. I'm taking away perhaps some of your profits and income. Mm-hmm. I'm exposing you and your, your personnel to a potential – virus mm-hmm. that you know right. so mm-hmm. right. so i think that could be pushed back yeah. as an unconstitutional either edict or executive proclamation by either a governor or a president that's what i believe i think i think the we still have very deep rooted individual property ownership rights especially for small businesses mm-hmm. yeah as as political theater you could see somebody yeah, doing that, stuff that's anyway, all it would be. And, and that's all it would be. Right. Um, but you could certainly see somebody doing something along those lines. And then lines blaming just, the federal judge who overturned it and, is, you and, know, out of touch. And then complaining right. about cancel culture right. being right. the reason that, you know, right. we, we can't do this. Right. But, you, you know, if, if you're saying that, hey, if a, if a business chose to exercise their right to have a policy of, of refusing to serve certain – uh, unprotected classification of of customers, right? Like I will not. We don't serve bald people, right? right? Suppose suppose a business said that, and, and and as somebody with a beautiful head of yeah, hair like very I have, nice. Ray has, thank you. Um, but you, I don't. You glue I'm that down. Just my first professional haircut, by the way. Uh, my wife had been cutting my hair for the last year and three months. But you know, if someone says I'm not going to serve bald people, and you know, in sympathy to my uh, bald friends, I say, I am not going to do business at that location, that business, because I, I don't believe in their yeah. policy. Is that canceling them? You know, is that cancel culture? Or is that just yeah. saying the free market will rule? Yeah. You choose you right. choose your path, and, and I'll choose how to spend my money. And it's about to happen. I mean, European countries, if you want to go to Europe this summer or this fall, you're not getting in unless you can show your vaccination card. If Delta doesn't want to fly you over there unless you've been vaccinated, you're not getting on that right. plane. Right. And so there's going to be over the next, I think, three, four or five months when we've probably peaked out at the number of folks who are going to get their vaccinations or at least within the 90th percentile. And those who are not, there's going to be a separation yeah. of some extent as to where those with vaccinations can go and there where those without can't go. And the rubber is going to hit the road. But I, I believe at least in private practice in private business and industry, you're going to be able to enforce a no-shot, no-play edict. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it if sense. a private uh, school decided that, hey, look, if you want admission to one of our football games, you've got to produce a vaccination card to get in, they can do that. If University of Georgia wanted to do that or a public school, there would be different... Well, Rutgers there, University, right? which is a public institution in the state of New Jersey, Jersey. right? Yeah. 70, 71,000 students has said, you can't come on campus. You can continue to be educated virtually, but you're not coming on campus for classes without your shots, without your proof. Uh, there are those who are objecting under religious reasons. Now, look, there has been religious, religious objections to vaccinations for countless decades, and there's some exceptions both in the law. The United States military is having a conflict of 
uh, recru- new recruits cannot be admitted without vac- being vaccinated. The issue is what about folks that have been in there? Can Delta's they? doing the same thing. New new employees mm-hmm. have to have been vaccinated. The 70,000, 75,000 plus who already work there, there's there's no requirement. So, so Delta's, just, Delta yeah. posts a great job and you're eminently qualified for it. And they say, show us your card. And you say, I don't have one. I don't need that. And they say, well, go work for Eastern Airlines. Yeah, right. Well, good, l- good luck going to work for them. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, then somebody would call an employment lawyer and, and, you know, they'd talk it through. And I think the conclusion would be they're free to make whatever yeah. decisions they want. It's yeah. long, and it's as not long as it's not arbitrary. That's yeah. right. It's not the Dominique Wilkins dress code situation, uh, dress code versus skin color. Yeah. It's, it's a policy that they've established based on some seemingly legitimate um, reasons involving health and safety, uh, and that's going to be enforced every time. You're listening to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan, Ray Judice. My name is Tug Coward on Extra 106.3. Next topic I want to get to is the Manhattan District Attorney has convened a grand jury to decide whether to indict former President Donald Trump and others within his organization. So let's go through uh, what goes into a grand jury probe. How does it work? What kind of things happen that the public may or may not know about just because, you know, they watch a whole bunch of TV shows. You know, oftentimes you feel like you know what's going well, let, on. Well, let's start off by some definitions. What's a grand jury versus a jury? A mm-hmm. jury for a trial. Well, a grand jury is convened by a district attorney's office or a U.S. attorney from the federal prosecutor's office. And it's a, a pretty big panel of people. I want to say it's usually 45 to 60 grand jurors. And they're going to hear cases Case after case after case. If we're in a county court here in Fulton County or DeKalb County, every day that that grand jury is going to convene, they may have 30 or 40 cases submitted to them. Now, the grand jury process is not fair. First of all, it's not constitutional. I believe there's 32 states out of 50 that have grand juries, so you don't have to have it. But a grand jury is there to filter out and look for at least minimal probable cause before the district attorney issues an indictment of charges. And when you say it's not constitutional, you don't mean it's unconstitutional. That's right. You mean it's, it's not, not a constitution- process that's required that by, by the Constitution. Constitution. That's, that's correct. a good Thank clarification. You. Thank you. But it does have to be constitutionally performed because you can challenge that the array, meaning the who did they bring into the grand jury? Is it demographically unbalanced? Is it economically, socioeconomically unbalanced? So there are ways to attack a grand jury panel as unconstitutionally formed. But this is a 10-minute, most cases, it's a 10-minute, one witness, that's the lead investigator, the lead detective. The defendant is not there, nor is defendant's counsel, with one exception. If the grand jury presentation is about a law enforcement official in the state of Georgia, the law enforcement officer or official gets to be at the grand jury and have counsel present to monitor it. So one exception. And many folks have wondered how many times officers involved in cases where someone was killed or hurt in an arrest are not indicted. One of the reasons is because they get to have counsel there where most all the other defendants don't. Mm. So it's a one-sided show by the DA's office. Officers swear, I swear you didn't tell the truth. What did tell the grand jurors what you saw? I saw that bad guy, he ran down the street, he had a gun, I arrested him, I charged him with armed robbery. Next case, that's indicted, send it to Judge Jones. That's how fast it goes. Wow. Okay? Now, now, th- th- this won't go fast. No, and, this, and, is, and, and, this and, is an investigatory <clears throat> grand jury where the grand jury and the DA are empowered to issue subpoenas, review records, call witnesses. They have subpoena power. You can be charged with perjury if you don't present honest testimony to a grand jury. So this is probably, what do you think, Bruce, four to six months? Yeah, and, and you know, that's typically six months is how long a grand jury Sits. is convened, and they'll, and they'll come in maybe 
once a week during those six months, and, and it's the same people that come in and hear case after case. And understand that you know this is not about determining guilt or innocence. This is essentially the prosecutors only presenting enough facts to say that there's something here that should be charged as a crime, and then we'll get into can we prove the, the crime's been committed and, and, and the trial of itself. So, so all this is is a very one-sided presentation. Now, in, in some instances, you want, in every instance, you should wonder what's being presented by the prosecutor because there's, there's almost no, no constraint on what they present and how they present it you know, from the standpoint like, are they giving you the defense side of things? Are they telling you both sides of the story? Uh-huh. They're really not. They're not presenting <clears throat> alibi. They're yeah. not presenting misidentification. They're not. They didn't get the defendant's Delta Airline ticket that shows he was in St. Louis at the time of the homicide. Uh-huh. It's very one-sided, as Bruce says. It's with one exception. So, one exception. The police. It's also. when the district attorney doesn't want an indictment. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, so keep in mind, DA is an elected position, right? And so Political. sometimes they know they have to bring this in front of a grand jury, as opposed to telling somebody we've decided not to prosecute. Because if they make the decision themselves, now they're subject to political fallout, right? So they say, well, kind of we- like you were saying with with uh, the governor, if he were to bring in the mask thing, it's 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 more of a it's almost theatrical a little bit. It can be, and and so here they say, well, look, we brought it to a grand jury, and a. Uh, 60 citizens from the community decided not to indict this case. I must follow that recommendation. Right? So, so there's nothing. Well, which, which they don't have to, actually. Right. They can still indict. Uh-huh. And, 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 but nobody knows, well, how strong a case did you present? Did you give it your best shot? Mm-hmm. Did, or did you present a case guaranteed not to bring back an indictment right. because you don't want that to happen? And, and so, you know, particularly where there are cases against public officials or against police officers. High-profile defendants. Yeah, you, you just don't know what exactly is being presented and how thoroughly are they trying to get this case indicted. No, that's right. that's In this case, I believe uh, Cyrus Vance is the uh, Manhattan district attorney, his father, I believe, was a secretary of state under Democratic President uh, Carter, right? right? Am I I remembering that? That's correct. George is President Carter. That's right. And so it's a long lineage of Democratic uh, political operatives who are now running what was at one time a district attorney's office, I believe, run for 50 years by Robert Morgenthau, a Republican, if I'm correct. So if I go back, New Yorkers remember a few things. Uh, But, you know, so there's the political angle to this. I mean, I I don't think it could be not said. It's the the big elephant in the room. room. And working in conjunction with the New York Attorney General. Democrat. uh, Who's a Democrat who has also gotten a lot of information. um, Politically motivated Democrat, by the way. Perhaps. Well, certainly, you know, an elected official, right? So, yeah. you know, it, it, there's a lot of coordination of resources taking place here um, because this involves potentially the president, but certainly the Trump organization. Um, meaning, meaning like his like the hotels that like his his businesses. Yeah. One of the one of the businesses that came up and one of the things that's being closely investigated involves a piece of property in the state of New York that at different times was valued as being worth several hundred million dollars when uh, there was an effort to try to use it as collateral for a loan and was being valued as very few million dollars when it came time to pay taxes. Um, and, you know, the disparity between how you're saying this, what you're saying this property is worth could be considered tax fraud, could be considered financial fraud. 
um, any other number of types of fraud because you know you're making sworn statements about the value of an asset to either induce a loan or avoid paying taxes, both of which have um, some ramifications under the criminal system. Yeah. yeah. So, so ostensibly, that's a big part of what's being investigated. You also have the whole issue with Stormy Daniels and testimony that came from Michael Cohen um, that that he's provided about some additional uh, potential wrongdoings that but it's given these investigators and prosecutors enough to say we're, we want to look more and look deeper into this to see if there was campaign money used to pay off this private debt to Stormy Daniels and this goes back to the the entire presidency uh, of, of New York State trying to get Trump's New York state tax records right. and his federal tax records, which now that he's no longer present, they're entitled to get. So as soon as he was out of office, those subpoenas dropped. Okay. Now, not to take sides in this issue, but let me, let me point out why I think this is going to be a difficult case for what I'm sure are some very uh, talented, uh, well-educated, and highly motivated prosecutors. For every tax return that Donald Trump signed, there was co-signed by a CPA of a really big, fancy, expensive mm-hmm. tax lawyer, right. tax firm, right. CPA. It was vetted. Uh, every transaction had both lawyers on both sides. A closing has usually two lawyers or two what we would call sophisticated purchasers, right? So it is hard to defraud somebody, hard to prove fraud against a fellow realtor in that area that knows the cost Ah. of doing business as opposed to somebody who came here a year ago from another country doesn't speak the language and bought a piece of property and now you've duped them they're an unsophisticated purchaser okay sort of like when you go to to complain about your stockbroker but you've been talking to your stockbroker five times a day for five years you're no longer a naive innocent you were part of the plan y'all made a mistake okay mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know you bought a yeah. bad stock right so so trump is going to have layers and layers of it wasn't me I did what my lawyer said. I right. signed where they told me the sign. Right. I told them, make the deal happen. Chop, chop, let's go. Now, what? how does every federal or good prosecutor unravel this kind of a case? Somebody rolls, okay? Okay, Somebody yeah. in that chain of, of protection that I've just outlined says, or has a problem. They have a legal problem. They're, they had some cocaine and they're on probation ah. or their law license or, is in or jeopardy. Or their kid is a screw up and facing charges and say, hey, you want the charges to go away against your kid? We need you, you to be. We need an insider need, to cooperate that's right. and but testify here. But doesn't that look also look like very shady and gray? Here's how federal prosecutions work <laughs> right. against lawyers, doctors, business people. They find a weak link in that the secretary, the, the president of the company's personal secretary, and she's on her third DUI. And they call her in and her attorney, they make sure she brings a lawyer and say, you know, we'd hate to see you do a year in prison here. This is yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, but what can you tell us about your boss stealing? <laughs> yeah. Or all those all those things he charged the office, the home, the home office and the car and the trips. But, and but the, I, I don't want to say it happens in every case, but it happens in just about every case <laughs> oh, yeah. where where it's like somebody is rolling over and they're doing it to to gain to save something, their right? Either to get a shorter sentence that they're already sentenced to right. by cooperating, or to avoid prosecution by cooperating, and and it subjects that witness's testimony to being attacked. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's 
not going to be believed. It doesn't mean right. it's a lie. Right. It just means, hey, you have an interest in saying this stuff. Right. So then, you know, can that be corroborated by documents or any other sort of evidence? Right. And, so they start building a case around from the bo- this. From the bottom up. Got yeah. It. From okay. the bottom up. And, 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 you know, look, my dad was a criminal lawyer in the Bronx and around New York growing up uh, and, and was a colorful sort of guy. And, you know, he would tell the people he'd meet and, and his friends, look, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're a crook. Uh, and, and let me just let me just tell you this. He says, when the feds come knocking, he says, you just want to be the first one to roll. That's right. Yeah. He's like, I, I understand, uh, you know, uh, the, the code. I understand honor. I understand uh, that, you know, there's some people you can't testify against. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your operation, he says, nigga, I don't know what you're doing wrong, but I know you're a crook. Mm-hmm. But if you're the first one to roll over, you get the deal. you'll get the deal. They don't need the second one mm-hmm. or the third, fourth, or fifth. Because you're rolling over on number two anyway. Who's going to roll over on number three? And that's how it works. Yeah. So one of these young CPAs who, you know, Trump maybe bullied or, you know, forced in, in his own indimitable style, uh, signed something he didn't really feel comfortable with signing and or, or makes a transfer that he kind of has sleepless nights about and says, you know, I really didn't want to do that. But, you know, he held the mortgage. He held the mortgage to my mother's father's restaurant over on Queens Boulevard. And he made it clear to me that he would be looking at that carefully. I'm, I'm making something up. So right. no, no, of course. I'm just making up a hypothetical. Right. Right. And that would be improper. And right. that would be leverage. And right. now the deal starts to unravel. Right. And, and to some extent, when you're talking about if it's tax evasion, if it's financial fraud, um, sometimes this defense of I relied on my professionals to advise me is not going to get you out of the criminal sanctions, you know, because ultimately you're responsible for your signature on, sure. on the loan or on the return. You know, there's no innocent spouse. And you're here. also Trump is going to come under the qualification of a sophisticated purchaser who there are, the, there are known aspects right. of every yeah. transaction that he is quite familiar with. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like one of our parents buying a timeshare and saying, well, I never read the he fine print. He took adv- yeah. that's, a whole diff- that's, right. that's a whole different case. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's cut his teeth and has bragged about the art of the deal. You know, you're fired, et cetera, et cetera. So he's not going to be able to play, as Bruce Wisely points out, the whole I don't know I what know. went on. All I yeah. know is they gave me the keys and I opened up the shop, you know, <laughs> right. and I was selling pizzas the next day. Right. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. when you spend pretty much every uh, public statement you make, part How of what you're you saying are. that I'm smarter than everybody else right. and, uh, you know, uh, I'm the best at what I do. Which right. kind of puts a target on your back. Kind of does. Yes. And and so uh, there's, the, you know, so is there likely to be somebody within that organization who either to save their own skin or, or has uh, a grudge. They have a you grudge. Know what? They really over. may have a grudge. I, mean, I wish I, mean, I hadn't done that. I, I was a sworn professional. I took an oath, and dang it, he boxed me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now's my day to get out of the box. Not mm-hmm. everybody got pardons, you know, and so there's some folks out there, no doubt, who uh, who have an axe to grind. I mean, look, uh, he's not alone here in, in facing charges. Rudy Giuliani's dealing with his own stuff. And, and so, you know, you say I could be a loyal soldier and try to be loyal to uh, the one of the most powerful men in the world, that may not get you out of it when you're under indictment from uh, state attorney general or uh, Manhattan district attorney, uh, and you're going to have a jury uh, potentially to decide your fate, you know, faced with a 10-year sentence or give us cooperating testimony, the testimony's coming. Well, well look at his last lawyer, Cohen. Not, not his original lawyer, Roy Cohen, who right. amongst us lawyers know is one of the most, was one of the most vicious 
hated aggressive lawyers in the history of the New York State legal bar. Is that is that a correct maybe statement? Maybe the national, yeah, maybe, uh, the national. Wow. maybe the world. That's <laughs> wow. true. That was Trump's yeah. father's lawyer. Mm-hmm. Now the now he but the man was brilliant. I mean, I you know when you talk about Vicious evil, can not, evil be was, brilliant? Yeah, yes, right, yeah. The, the the Cohen that he had recently was not brilliant. In fact, he went to the lowest rated law school of the 263 law schools in the United States. And once he started to eat that prison food, he decided he needed yeah. to roll. Mm-hmm. So he's a young man. He probably made the best decision. But you're looking about older people who may be threatened with Giuliani. You know, Rudolph, do you want to testify against the ex-president or do you want to die in a New York state prison? Yeah. I mean, that's we, the reality of the situation. Surrounded by uh, folks people who may, that you put in jail 20 years ago. That, that, right. you, know, you imposed. That's right. All right. So we got about a minute left. How do you see this whole thing playing out? I think uh, probably a year of drama. I'll bet there'll be some type of an indictment, although I don't think it's going to be as powerful an indictment as the district attorney thinks he can get. Yeah, I think First. that's I think that's pretty accurate, and I think, um, you know, look, there there are some politicians here who think that they can make their career out of this. Mm-hmm. So I certainly uh, would not expect them to go through all this exercise to just come back with no charges. I expect them to go through this and to charge some very higher up people, and maybe even Donald Trump himself, maybe some Trump kids. That is uh, the reason we do this show, getting good opinions from renowned lawyers like Bruce Hagan, like Ray Judice. When we come back on the show, we're going to finish up with a service that may also have a big case on their hands. And I bet you use this service. It's Amazon. How many times a week do you order something from Amazon? How many packages from Amazon are sitting on your front porch when you get home? So this is a case that will be relatable for everybody because we all use Amazon Prime. It's next on Your Day in Court here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. Final segment of your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart here on Extra 106.3. This next story I want to ask you guys about is involving a company that everybody uses. Probably when you go home today, there will be a little box sitting on your front porch, and it has an Amazon sticker on it. A long time ago, Amazon, you know, obviously started out as a, just as a, a bookseller online and then has now grown into the biggest retailer probably in the world. long time ago also, it was always the cheapest. Now, not so much, but the convenience is probably worth what you pay a little more. Well, there's the district attorney in Washington, D.C. His name is Carl Racine. He announced Tuesday that he's suing Amazon on antitrust grounds claiming that the company's practices have unfairly raised prices for consumers and suppressed innovation. I have no idea really what that means. I know I like Amazon service. I know I like the convenience. 
So what is he trying to say to me, Ray? Well, I don't think it's any different than these congressional hearings that we see about every four or five months where uh, six or seven octogenarians, meaning really old people from some Senate or House committee, bring out Jeff Bezos and Tim Cook from Apple and some other really smart, the guy from Oracle, and pound on the table about, we're really angry because you're an American company who's really prosperous and employing a zillion people, and we want you to pay more taxes, and we think you're mean. Mm. And then it all breaks up, and... Fang, which is the you know the different stocks or a Facebook, Apple, Apple. And Google, they just yeah. go back to making more money, employing mm-hmm. more American citizens, paying more taxes, and being really good products that everybody loves. I think this is just theater. Generally, when there is an antitrust litigation against a major corporation, it is usually by many, many what are called states' attorney generals. Uh, that would be the state attorney general of New York, as we were just referring to, and they would collaborate. And that's a major piece of litigation. Like when Apple sued Microsoft 20 years ago, that was actually the United States brought the the antitrust case against Microsoft. The district attorney for Washington, D.C., which is not a state, by the way. uh, Not yet. uh, Not yet. Well, (laughs) I see you're very hopeful over there. (laughs) Uh, Uh, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I don't think he has the power to bring Amazon to its knees. Now, does any big corporation get sideways and make mistakes and overrun small people and small businesses? Yep. That's why they're right. really, really big and really good. Right. And the pandemic has been great to Amazon, yes. right? Oh my because gosh, people yes. are, you know, you couldn't shop in stores. Yeah. If you didn't know before, you certainly know now that if you order something from Amazon, it's like the most reliable service you've ever seen. You, you know exactly when it's shipped, where it is, when it gets there. I mean, before my wife hits the final button to confirm the purchase it's like there it is but you know keep in mind what it's based on it's based on a lot of small retailers who don't have the reach on the web that amazon Mm -hmm. has so amazon says hey we're going to provide this service for you we're going to get you noticed and we'll sell your product but you can't sell your product elsewhere at a lower price and in fact you have to pay us some money here so even if you sell it at the same price you're going to you're going to make less selling here with amazon so that's kind of the nature of this this argument that Amazon's business practices and its control of the market are artificially inflating prices, which in turn hurts consumers. And, and so that's why when Ray says that, you know, this is typically, if it's a real thing, is going to be joined by the attorneys general from around the country, because if it's hurting consumers in Washington, D.C., then it's hurting consumers in Georgia, North Carolina, and everywhere else, because we're all subject to the same right. thing. Well, here's here's part of the flip side of the argument. There's a company called Etsy, E-T-S-Y. Oh, it's a gosh. Canadian company. Yes. They do kind of what Amazon does. Correct. And if you have that stock three years ago, you're at the beach all the rest of your life. We, what we does, use it. We and didn't what do the they stock. specialize in? It's all mom and yeah, pops. Right. Mm-hmm. So the argument now, look, Apple just went through a trial. They were challenged by the makers of Fortnite and Fortnite saying this is kind of the same thing is, you know, if we want to be in the app store, we have to give up 30 percent of our profits. And Apple saying, yeah, so take your Fortnite over to Times Square and stand on the corner and see if you get the access to two billion consumers. Mm-hmm. That's the big if you right. want to play. Now, do I think maybe they overcharge a little bit? Maybe there should be a progressive taxation or charge. You know, when you're a startup, you got a lower fee and it's based on profits and earnings. That might be a, I bet that's going to be the compromise, by the way, that they'll, you know, when you're mm-hmm. really profitable, you're paying top dollar. But when you're a young cat, we're going to give you a little break to get into the game. So the problem is by the time these cases, just like our octogenarians on the Senate committee, finish up with their proclamations, the free market 
that is changing daily. If you mm-hmm. watch, I watch CNBC, Jim Cramer every night. And I'm like, these guys, these young inventors and women are so brilliant. Every day they're coming out with new innovations and the use of technology, new platforms, new formats. I almost can't keep up with it, you know. But so I, I think this case falls on its face. And again, I think the lack of, hey, we got your six by the state of California, the state of New York. Why? Because there's th- hundreds of thousands of Amazon employees. Right, in those right. And typically, if you're going to have something that's an antitrust case based on injuring consumers, it's going to come from a state like California where they have the strongest consumer protections. And to say that, yeah, you know, if you're going to do business here, you, you're going to do it in a way that is the most fair towards the end users. And you don't see California lining up on this. But keep yeah. in mind, there's been a lot of losses for these type of actions. Lyft and Uber beat the state of California at the Supreme Court. Amazon in Birmingham just voted down unionism. So the pitchforks and the torches marching on these big corporations, you know, it looks good. They're not winning. The big corp, buy the stock. Give up your complaints. Yeah. Buy the companies. Mm-hmm. Right, you know? right. so, Be partners. Let me ask you this then, because we talked about sometimes people do things for political theater. Is this one of those things that you see as maybe political theater? The Trump? Uh, from DC? Yes. From, from Amazon, you know, this yeah, Amazon. I do. I do. I think he's an elected official and he wants to protect his voters who are also consumers. We're not going to sit here and say that uh, Amazon is your friend. Oh, no. They're there they, to make money. They're to make profit. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. but, but you know what? France tried to tax them extra and they and Amazon said, okay, we'll just stop coming to France. Yeah. And, and France <laughs> right. is like, oh, wait a minute. No, yeah, we changed our mind. Because the nation of France can't duplicate what Amazon does. Yeah. Okay. What about you, and, and, you know, underlying um, these allegations, there's some truth there, you know, yeah. and so that's that's the issue. And, and so I, I think it is more likely to lead to a certain commitment to reforming practices, reforming pricing structure. If you think about it, yes, Amazon may make it difficult for small businesses to compete, but at the same time, they could march out thousands of examples of small businesses who have had incredible sales that they never would have otherwise had, had it not been for Amazon's platform to put them out there. And when you say march, it, that means calling them as witnesses in the trial. Right. It's, it's, yeah. they, and, they, you know, they can produce hundreds and hundreds and, yeah. of, of small business owners from around the world. Well, it would raise their hand and raise say, say, I'll go. Nobody ever would have known about us had we not and, had Amazon. And here's the win-win settlement. We're delighted in Amazon to announce a $100 million fund to help small businesses be created and to come onto the Amazon platform. Thank you, Mr. U.S. Attorney. You, you've helped us see the light. Yeah. And, and Jeff Bezos, <laughs> I think he loses that much money every time he gets a haircut. It's like, yeah. hey, I just shed $100 yeah. million. Dollars. He yeah. loses more every time he gets <laughs> divorced. Right. Oh, no kidding. It's just the real issue saying that, you you know, these sellers can't sell it for less than Amazon is selling it, which is what they're saying is the anti-competitive part of it. If you're talking about total free market, you could say that, hey, look, I should be able to sell my product here for one price and there for a different price. The flip side of that free market is that's fine. You don't have to sell your product that's on exactly Amazon. Right. And you're in my store. Absolutely. That's you're what in you're, my you're in yeah. my store. Right. Yeah. I want to put your stuff in the back of the store and I want to put my stuff in the front of the store. Mm-hmm. You don't like being in the back of my store? Go to the next, Go to the next store. store. Go to Etsy. Yeah. Go, you to Go to start this your own on, Amazon. Yeah. You know, you right. mentioned watching TV. I love watching Shark Tank. And, 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 and every time there's some retail product or something that's going to go in a store like Walmart or Target or in a store like a uh, grocery store, you know, the argument is over is always over. How are you going to get shelf space? How are you going to get this thing noticed? As great as it may be, you're going to have to give right. it money. Quick story. Your father worked as a lawyer in the Bronx. My father worked as a supermarket manager in the Bronx. So he got to choose whether the Frito-Lay guy got his potato chips up front or the Wise potato chip guy or whatever or where the Coca-Cola, Pepsi are. 
our house looked like a liquor store. Yeah, sure. We, yeah, because <laughs> it was all about, hey, how can we be really you, nice would, to this guy? Would you guy? like a bottle of Chivas, Mr. Judice? We'll yes, put I this, would. So we can put the chips up front yeah. this week. Yeah, but that's for this week. We'll see you next yeah, week. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, it's, Tickets to every ballgame. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was Look, a racket. Huh? Good for him, man. Good for him. He should be. My dad brought home um, armed robbers and <laughs> accused murderers because he vouched to the court that they would be there if they bonded them out. And he, oh, So he no. just brought them home. And, oh, yeah, we, we had some interesting dinner table oh, conversations with Gosh, some fantastic. accused uh, criminals. That, that needs to be a TV show in and of itself. It, it could be. Um, you know, my mom sitting there drinking with these uh, folks who were accused of some very serious crimes while my dad would lock the door to the bedroom and go to sleep. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. I can't wait to get into this one day. That's it. It's your day in court here on Extra 106.3. Before we wrap up, how do we get a hold of you? Hagen-Law.com. You can call me 404-522-7553. Personal injury is all we do, and we do it really well. Ray Judice Law.com, 404-964-4185. I will go to court with you, and I enjoy doing it. This is Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 